The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we are striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we are going to approach passive investing in a way that many of you have probably not heard because this is going to be a much more a much more systematic approach to how do i decide whether to borrow how much to borrow returns things like that than than we normally try and tackle on the radio cuz stuff with math on the radio doesn't always work super well so Here's the thing, stay glued to the speakers. We're going to keep it simple enough that you can understand it, give you an opportunity to find out more about it a little bit later. Uh, Before we get started, let me remind the folks who are here listening in the greater Cincinnati area that tomorrow night's Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting, there is a... uh, Uh, a meeting that you need to pre-register for. That's not typically the case uh, for Cincinnati Ram meetings. Usually you can just show up and bring your guest pass or pay your guest fee or show up as a member. But this upcoming uh, meeting tomorrow is by the Survive Institute. And it's in honor of Bobby Jones and Crystal Warner, the Cincinnati Ram members and landlords who were murdered by their tenants about a month ago. And uh, as it probably... As, as the title probably tells you, it's about self-defense. And so it's kind of a, I don't want to say hands-on, because I hate hate for people to think they're going to walk in the door and get thrown to the ground, but I think they're going to walk to the door and te- get taught to throw other people to the ground. And it's <laughs> pre-registration required. So please, if you intend to uh, go to that meeting, and I would suggest that you do, um, go to CincinnatiRia.com. That is CincinnatiRia. Dot com get yourself pre-registered and um, kind of learn to take your personal safety into your hands just a little bit more maybe than you have right now. My guest tonight is Mr. George Antone. If that name sounds familiar, it is because he is the author of the best-selling books, The Wealthy Code and The Banker's Code. He is also a financier and investor and a consummate entrepreneur. He is the founder of the Inc. 500 company Impact Wealth and creator of the largest network of private money lenders in the world. 
Many of you know that George uh, was a guest uh, a couple of weeks ago at uh, Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs in Columbus, Dayton Rhea in Dayton, and Cincinnati Rhea here in Cincinnati. And after I saw him give the presentations, I knew that I had to get him on the radio to talk about why you need debt if you're going to get wealthy in real estate. George, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thanks for having me, Vina. Um, thrilled to have you here. And uh, as I mentioned to the audience at the beginning, we might get into some numbers. <laughs> and we don't want people who are driving around listening to the show to, to like have, have an accident because they're trying to get out their financial calculators and figure out what you just said. So we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it, um, not 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 general so much as just just not throw a bunch of numbers around. I do want to let folks know that if they love what they hear today, you are going to be in Cincinnati doing a two-day workshop on September 17th and 18th that uh, I know I'm already signed up. I'm going. Got the weekend off. Looking forward to it. Uh, and they can find out more about that at CincinnatiRia.com. But let's 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 start start here with this assertion that you have made. In your in your wealthy code book in your debt millionaire book, that it is not the real estate that makes you rich; it is the financing on the real estate that makes you rich. Talk about that. So you know, I um, I'll just say before we start that uh, I'm going to do my best not to talk about numbers. I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I'll do my best to sort of paint things. But um, to go back to um, you know financing. Um, Financing is really what uh, the business we're in. Even though people talk about the real estate business, we're really in the financing business. And the reason is this. Um, buying real estate, or any asset for that matter, is one thing. Keeping it through different cycles is a whole different game. And that's where financing comes in, because uh, many people are so used to thinking about um, how do I purchase this asset. So that's one small part it's how financing the role financing plays when you're keeping the the asset the property over like i said different different um different cycles so for example um how much debt should you have on the on the property what type of interest what's the is it should you have fixed interest variable interest all of that plays a big role in in you keeping the asset so when it comes to wealth building, you know, when you look at real estate, most people start looking at the numbers and don't realize they think they're in the real estate business, but they're really looking at the numbers, looking at the risk. All of that comes from financing. So without understanding financing, it's really difficult to just buy a property and just keep it, not thinking about the financing. So we're really in a financing game more than the real estate game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting point you just made that most people, the only time they think about finance, well, two times they think about financing. Number one is when they're buying because they're trying to figure out how do I buy it. Uh, even here in the Midwest, where you can buy a fixed up rental property for $45,000, that's more money than most people have sitting in the bank. <laughs> right? So there, there, has to be, there has to be some help from a bank, a private lender, a partner, a, a, a seller, somebody to to help with that purchase and then they never think about it again unless they're losing the property 
absolutely exactly correct. And 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 the only reason, that, well, I mean, unless things go really, really, really wrong, and you know, you you lose it over taxes or something like that. But the only the only time people worry about losing a property is when they can't make the payments on their financing. Correct. Correct. And and I tell people don't fall in love with the, the actual property. Fall in love with the result, and the result comes from financing. And so throughout ownership. There's many things you should be doing based on what's going on in the market and uh, making sure that you have a low-risk profile. And so exactly what you said, most people just buy and just sort of forget it, and, and it's only when they get into trouble. And the problem with financing is you don't find out that you made a mistake at the point of uh, purchase in the financing until two, three years later. And, uh, and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that risk profile thing you just mentioned and also why it is that you can you can go into a deal thinking you've got good financing and then two, three years later find out that it wasn't such a great idea to finance it that way after all. Listeners, take this opportunity to call in with any questions that you have. I know what I want to know from George. Of course, it would take me four or five hours to ask him all the questions I would have, but I need to know what you want to know from George. 877-772-9658 is the number here in the studio. You can also email in a question. Just go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Type the question right on into that Ask a Question box. Let us know where you are writing from, and uh, we will answer that question for you here during the show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is George Antone, who's written now three books. I went from like two to three in the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Wealthy Code, The Banker's Code, and Debt Millionaire, all of those are available on uh, Amazon.com. So if you if you're listening here and you go, I gotta read this guy's book, go to WMKVFM.org. Click the Amazon button because they've got some kind of a JV deal with Amazon where, I don't know, for every 20 bucks you spend on a book, they get three cents or something like that. But if they could get three more cents, they could fix this microphone that goes off every time I bump it. So that would be awesome uh, if you could buy it that way. So, um, George, uh, before the break, we talked about a little bit about um, people only think about debt kind of twice in a real estate transaction. They think about it when they're like, ah, oh, where do I get the money to buy this deal I want? And they think about it when things go wrong. Are you saying that this, this that you're saying that there should be better planning and projection up front? Or are you saying that, that we should look at the financing as being more dynamic than we do? Because most of the time, you know, we're like, well, it's 30 year loan. I'm going to keep paying it for 30 years. And we don't think about refinancing and deleveraging and releveraging and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, so the answer is both. You really need to be looking at both. And so uh, I'll give you an example. Um, the the debt has has the biggest impact on uh, y- your return, but also and, and making inflation work for you instead of against you, but at the same time increases risk. So what I mean by that is. Um, people have to look at the deal not in a vacuum by just looking at the one deal and thinking, uh, how do I buy this one property? But really, they should be asking questions like, 
what's going on in the economy and how can this buying this deal affect me uh, or make this economy work for me or the financing for example inflation and what's going on and how does this one deal affect my portfolio am i getting too much debt am i getting too little debt because debt increases your returns it makes inflation work for you instead of against you so not having debt inflation is working against you and so you have to work harder if you will but at the same time you don't want to have too much debt and so once you you structure that and you buy the property and you have the right debt the the well structured debt later on you find out for example the market is tanking so most people just sell the property at a discount or but you can there are other things you can do for example what you said deleveraging how do you deleverage it how do you um what do you do in a market where you know in, um inflation is rampant or or it's um uh, the market is tanking or what's going on and so you have to make decisions so that your um your investment is as low risk as possible and you're always uh, being aware of what's going on in the market so there's a lot more than just uh, buying the property it's a lot more than that mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. You said something kind of in passing there that I want to go back to. Um, you said debt helps make inflation work for you. I- explain that. Everyone, everyone always thinks, well, you know, if I, if, I, if I buy an apartment building, that's good because it keeps pace with inflation. So how does debt help that? So that's another great question. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm full of them, aren't I? There's so many great <laughs> questions. So basically, um, so I'm going to make a statement here that's, uh, that tends to shock people. And, and normally when I'm with people, I show them why in detail. But really, real estate isn't what really makes you rich. It's really the financing that makes you rich. And the reason we like real estate is because it's easier to get the financing to, to allow us to build wealth. So over time, when you look at historically what's happened, the reason people built wealth in real estate is because of the financing. And so what happens is you're buying something today, but you're paying for it in future dollars that are worth a lot less. And that's why, for example, you're, let's just say you buy a property today, you're paying $1,000 a month, but 20 years from now, the $1,000 buys a lot less. So the purchasing power has gone down, and the asset just keeps up with, with inflation, barely keeps up with inflation, but it's really the... Um, the the future dollars that's really making you wealthy. And so um, the biggest thing with most people is you have to realize that you have to make the system work for you. And so many people are working really hard at at their jobs, and as they work harder and harder, inflation just keeps going up and hurting them. Um, But with, with having financing, now you're making the whole system work for you. So inflation now is helping you increase your wealth uh, because of inflation, uh, not because of real estate, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the financing is, is, is the reason that, that happens. And so debt, in that case, is helping you move to the other side of inflation. And that's just one example. There are many other examples, like opportunity costs and different things, where debt is allowing you to play um, or, or, or leverage that um, uh, that thing. So whether it's opportunity cost or inflation or things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in other words, like right, right now, interest rates on conventional loans for qualified investors are insanely low. 
They're like mm-hmm. they're like below what the market should be for the risk that the lenders Correct. are taking on by loaning people 30-year loans on rental properties. Correct. They're like, I mean, I think the last person I talked to who got a Fannie Mae loan on an investment property put 20% down, about 5% in closing costs, and is paying like 4.58% fixed for 30 years. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And <clears throat> the thing is, as time as time passes, you know, five years from now, their rents go up, but their payment doesn't go up. And 10 Correct. years from now, 10 years from now, the amount of their payment, say it's $1,000 a month, will not buy nearly as many hamburgers as $1,000 a month buys right now. And yet that's still only what, what they have to, to give. So that's, that's you know, that when, you say, when you say debt makes inflation work for you, low rate debt, um, debt that is not going to adjust, <laughs> makes Correct. inflation work for you. And Correct. I think a lot of people ignore that. I had somebody ask me the other day, <laughs> they had a a 0% interest seller-held mortgage. Wow. And they asked how they could refinance out of it. Wow. And I said, I'm going to punch you in the face if you refinance out of it. <laughs> why, why in the world <laughs> would you ever yeah. pay off a 0% loan? Yep. And they were like, well, but, you know, it's still got 20 years left. And I'm like, Good. <laughs> That's, yep. the, the longer it has to run, the better off you know you are because you're paying you're paying this with future dollars. See, that's that's exactly why I say we're in a financing business, and if people don't realize what you just said, they are thinking about it from um, uh, convenient. I just don't want to have this debt. But if they if they're getting into real estate to build wealth, they need to understand that this zero percent or three percent or four percent is what's making them rich. And so um, that's why I say people need to understand we're in the financing business. We're, in, we're, in the, we're not in the real estate business specifically. So um, another example would be um, a friend of mine here who has um, really extremely low interest rate, fixed for 30 years, is doing everything he can to pay it down. And he's so focused on the business of you know having a, two rentals and uh, he thinks he's in business of, you know, renting properties and collecting rents himself and all of that stuff. And so he doesn't understand that it's the financing that's making him rich. And so uh, you're, you're exactly it. It's so important that people switch their mindset and start thinking about it, that they're in the business of finance. And that's going to allow them to use financing in very um, effective and powerful ways. And paying down your mortgage completely and having no reserves like many investors out there, you're taking on way too much risk. And so risk is the biggest aspect of this whole thing. And financing allows you to play things a lot safer without taking on too much risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's talk about, let's talk about that, that idea of reserves. Because I know it's part of your, I've seen your actual drawings where you're saying, well, you know, you've got your, you know, your down payment, where's that coming from? And then you got your uh, monthly payment and you've got your loan constants. And, and, and an important thing that you're always coming back to with real estate in particular is this idea of don't ignore the reserves. Let's, let, let, let's talk about that. What do you, what do you mean by reserves? So the two things that really, um, uh, we can control that have a huge impact on our finance uh, on, our, on our wealth building are one is how much debt and two how much reserves and so one of the things I tell people is the reason a lot of people are scared of debt 
isn't really the amount of debt or the, um, uh, you know, people come up with different fears around that, but really it's the monthly payment. If you can control the monthly payment, then you can manage debt. That's one of the, one of the many things you, you can do um, in terms of um, making sure you have good debt. And so I tell people, if you don't have reserves, because most real estate investors there that I've talked to, they seem to just want to buy the property and they have no reserves whatsoever. They're one rent check away from losing the property. And so I tell them, keep your money in reserves and raise the down payment as equity uh, investment as opposed to debt. Then I can expand on that later. But more important than anything is having the right amount of reserves because once you start playing with debt, you have to be playing with reserves. And so what I do is I have people structure two levels of reserves. One is a, uh, it's called a primary reserve, and that is specific to one given deal. So let's just say the property on 123 Main Street has this reserve. That's primary reserve. And secondary reserve is sort of a global reserve that I have for all my investments. So it sort of backs all the primary reserves. And then what we do is we make sure we have enough reserves in every single deal. And so you end up having a lot of cash sitting around doing nothing. And most people say, well, that's just cash sitting there doing nothing. The reality is it's actually doing a lot. It's because of of that reserves we're able to have more debt and therefore more return. So that is almost like the foundation of the building, the reserves. And without having a strong foundation, you can't have this big building. And so you can't have debt on deals without having reserves. And so the key for this to, to being able to work with, with debt is having you know, enough reserves for um, uh, for you to be to to, to to use debt, and to be clear, the asset is supposed to create the reserves. <laughs> this is this is not like you have to go you know work your job and save your pennies. Exactly. So much as it is, um, you know, don't just don't spend all the money that you're making <laughs> from your from Correct. your properties. And this is, I mean, a lot of people will give um, a certain amount of lip service to the idea of mm-hmm. reserves. And But the way they think about it is, well, what if the roof goes bad? What yeah. if the furnace blows up in the middle of the night? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't, they're not thinking about it in the same way you are, which is um, what happens when 2008 comes along. Exactly. And your tenants are negotiating the rent because they all have jobs that they're afraid of you <laughs> losing. And the, yep. the house that used to rent for $1,800 a month, you just can't get a good tenant in it more than $1,500 a month. And you were depending on that money to pay the payment. And I mean, I saw so many people that by every measure were very successful landlords. You know, they owned mm-hmm. a lot of properties. They owned them for a long time. They weren't dumb people. They, they knew how to manage properties. They were doing great with them until... There was, what, a four-year period, three-year period where rents were down and they lost everything Yep. because they didn't have appropriate reserves for a a period like that to, um, and, and, you know, what do you do? You can't sell it. (laughs) value of the property had dropped 30% as well. You can't refinance it. No banks were lending money. So different kind of reserves. And I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on and on about this because I hope that if the listeners don't get anything else out of the show today... They, they at least grab onto that concept, and then whether they come to your event here in Cincinnati on the 17th and 18th, whether they come to the OREA conference where you're going to be keynoting on, October, on uh, November the uh, 5th, 
um, they they keep that in the front of their minds because they're going to hear it over and over and over again. Speaking of listeners, listeners, if you have questions, call them in at 877-772-9658 or you can go to the website at realliferealestate.com. Click the button that says Ask Vina a Question. Fill in your question. Please let us know where you're writing from. And uh, send it on over. We'll get George to answer. This is a great opportunity for you. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. And my guest today is George Antone who has written a book that I know a lot of people have read called The Wealthy Code. He's got a couple of other books out there now as well. And um, he's doing some trips to Ohio over the next couple of months. He's got one uh, to Cincinnati on September 17th and 18th for a two-day seminar that you need to find out about at CincinnatiRia.com. He's also, as I just mentioned, keynoting the 2016 National Real Estate Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. I'm going to have a special offer on that for Real Life Real Estate listeners coming up in a couple of weeks, but uh, get that on your calendar. That's like... I don't know how you can both say, oh, I'm super interested in real estate investing and also not be at the biggest convention in the country for real estate investors. And that's here in Cincinnati on November the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Um, listeners with questions, 877-772-9658 or go to our website at realliferealestate.com and just follow the instructions. Uh, George, I did get uh, a couple of questions here on the site. This first one is from Alan, and this goes back to... A statement that you said kind of, again, in passing at the beginning, you said financing can either work for me or against me. And Alan's question, of course, is what type of financing works for me and what type works against me? So there's a lot to that than just um, than meat size. So let me give you some examples. I'm going to go into some details here as an example. So, for example, the first thing is um, everything I, I talk about here is going to be about buy and hold for a second, just to make sure we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. So, for example, having fixed interest rate is key so that inflation works for you. Having variable for long term creates uncertainty. So what we want is we want certainty and low risk as much as possible. So fixed interest rate is one example. The second thing is how much debt should you have? And so the amount of debt on a specific property is so critical. I'll give you an example of what not to do. Most people out there were buying properties and are still buying properties with 100% financing, debt financing. So they're typically getting a, whatever, 80% or 75%, and then they're borrowing the down payment from either a home equity line of credit or a credit card or from friends and family and promising them 8% or whatever it is. 100% financing will destroy you because that's the easy part in buying the property. And uh, interest, when you have a lot of interest or debt, things are great when the market's going up, but when the market goes down, it's what, what destroys you. So you really want to have the right amount of debt, so typically 80% or less. Again, there, there are different ways to know exactly how much debt, but it's difficult to do over the phone. The, the the other part is how do you get the down payment? How do you raise that? Should you raise it as um, uh, should you use your own cash? Should you uh, obviously we talked about you don't want to have debt, but should you have equity investors? And so there's all these different uh, layers of things that are 
honestly relatively easy to get once you understand them and uh, but you really have to spend time understanding how to to, to do that so um, the other thing that I see very common is people say I want to have a 15-year mortgage because I want to be debt-free in 15 years well let me ask you this did you realize that a 15-year mortgage is 15 years of high-risk payments uh, if you get a 30-year loan you can always pay it down in 15 years and so just to as, as a simple example if you really want to be debt-free in 15 years get a 30-year loan and make the same payments as you would in 15-year 15 15-year uh, loan and you'll find out you end up being debt-free in 15 years in about four or five months so that gives you a lot of flexibility because if you lose your job or your tenant or whatever and you cannot make the payments you can always go down to the lower payment of the 30-year loan so there are so many things like that that you have to to understand but these are just a few examples don't ever do 100 percent debt financing for long-term buy and hold don't uh, use debt for down payment i can't stress that enough uh, don't um, uh, you know for long-term use fixed interest rate so these are just some of these things and then also make sure you have good reserves at least six months worth of payments and again that is you know what i was saying earlier the foundation to a building if you will uh, whenever you're using debt you have to have reserves and that's the foundation for reserves so these are just a few examples mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now let me um let me uh ask a question that i suspect just came up in listeners minds when you said don't do 100 percent financing are you talking about 100% of the value or 100% of the purchase price? Because excellent, excellent. <laughs> we fairly oh, yeah. commonly, you know, buy right. a $100,000 yeah. house for 80, 70 or $80,000. Is it okay to finance the whole 70 or 80 when it's really worth okay. 100 or not? That's a great question. That And that makes all the difference. So I'm talking about don't do 100% of the value. So you, obviously, if you're buying it at a discount, um, you can do 100% of the discounted value as long as all the numbers m make sense. And so um, that's a great, great question. Now, I have another question here from uh, JC in Las Vegas. And just let me warn you, JC tends to ask more complex questions than most of the most of the listeners here. He says, um, would you please ask George how I might compensate an investor for providing reserves up front for deals that might have either higher risk or nor no current cash flow? So, I don't know, you're buying a vacant apartment building and you, you, know what? you need reserves up front. That's a great question. So um, let, let me say something first, and then I'll come back and answer this question so that we're all on the same page. So um, everything we're talking about here is is what most people miss in deals, and that is what's called capital structures. And I'll explain capital structures a little bit later, but all these questions have to do with the, the biggest thing that most people miss in, in real estate investing is is this term capital structures, which is you know, what's the, the combination of, of debt and equity? So to go back to JC's question, the first thing you have to do is um, you have to realize that you want to match the the characteristics of the asset with the financing. So in, in your case, JC, you have a 100% hundred or vacant um, appreciating only asset. And so you want to have less debt and more equity because there is no income coming from the cap from the asset now if you're gonna if it's a property that you're gonna reposition and then rent out in two years that's different than if you're having a long-term appreciating asset because we have we tend to buy m myself and my students a lot of um, 
um, uh, appreciating only assets, but we structure them so differently. So then in that case, the next question is, what do you compensate someone to help you with buying this asset and also putting reserves? So one of the things with reserves is, like Vina said, um, reserves can be built from the income coming in, but in this case, there is no income. The other part is from an equity investor. And so you never want to use debt for reserves, ever. Never use debt for reserves, always equity uh, investors. So what I then do is then you have to compensate them, which is going back to your question here. So the way you can compensate them is you can give them a percentage of the profit up to a specific cap. That's one way. So, for example, you would say, um, I, I, I can give you, um, I'll give you different scenarios of structuring that. One could be, I'm going to give you, for example, 30%, and I keep 70%. Uh, another way would be, I'll give you 40% and 60%, but up to X percent return on your money. So, for example, let me, you, you put up 400000 for reserves. Um, I'll give you 40% of the profit, up to 25% return on your money. So what you're doing there is essentially capping it. Um, another way would be I'm going to give you 10% preferred return. And a preferred return simply means that you're not promising them that the, the asset's going to make money. But if it does, you're going to pay them the first 10% or 8% or whatever you promise them uh, return on their money. So, again, there are so many ways of structuring that. But that, these are three examples that you can, uh, you can use in compensating someone to put up uh, – part of the deal or the reserves in, in, in the deal. Mm -hmm. You didn't you didn't you didn't jump straight to if somebody's bringing the money to buy a deal and reserves and so on give them 50% of the deal which is what most people jump straight to. You know, as long as you cap it um, that's okay. So for example, I've done deals where I've said I'll give you 50% up to 20% or 30% return on your money. So what tends to happen is over time um, you know, they get capped, but they're happy with that because otherwise um, someone else is going to try to borrow the money at 8%, and uh, so this is giving them a much higher compensation for the risk, but uh, it's always being capped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that you have the certainty Correct. of knowing that knowing that my my investor who put up $400,000 is not going to walk away with $1.1 which seems a little exactly. extreme for the fact that I found the deal and did all the work. Exactly. A uh, question here from Russ, um, and I don't, I don't know if this is a, this is something you can answer in a super straightforward way. He says, "What is a good ratio of reserves to debt uh, individually?" As I understand, the USA is due for another downturn in the next two to three years as real estate goes in seven to eight year cycles. Banks made huge mistakes going way over the three to one ratio of money lent to cash on hand, up to sixty eight to one in the case of Lehman Brothers. If a person or small entity of a few investors is functioning as a bank, in especially, this is key. Thank you. So, um, so his question is the ratio of reserve to debt. Debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. <clears throat> so let me just expand first on what's in the reserve, just so we're clear, and then we can talk about the ratio. So typically in reserves, you have your monthly payment plus your um, operating expenses. So let's just say that your monthly payments are mortgage payments are $1,000 and your operating expenses are $500. So you, you, the question is how many payments, $1,500 payments, do you want to have in your reserves? And so that is a matter of how volatile the market and the income is. So, for example, 
if you have a, a, a rental property that's relatively stable and um, you only have tenants moving in, moving out once every two years, then you know you have a stable uh, income, a stable income from that. So therefore, you can have less of a uh, reserve. But typically, your minimum has to be six months. Now, if you have an asset, and here I'm using the word asset because we do deals with so many different types of assets. Mm-hmm. If the income from the asset is unpredictable, you want to have less debt and more reserve. So you might have a year worth of reserves because the income is unpredictable. And so you have to ask yourself, how predictable is the income from the asset? And second is, what's going on in the market? Because if you have another downturn, your rents are going to drop, uh, based like we, we, th- we saw in 2008. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, do I have enough if um, my rents drop? And so you have to then um, uh, adjust that. But these are some of the uh, factors you have to look at to figure out what's your primary reserve. Again, it has to be minimum of six months, my recommendation for real estate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. We need to take another quick break, and the questions are piling up here in the email. The uh, number to call if you want to make sure your question gets answered before the end of the show is 877-772-9658. Alternatively, you can still ask questions of George Antone, author of The Wealthy Code, at realliferealestate.com. Just fill in the Ask a Question box, and we'll get it here by email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is George Antone. That's A-N-T-O-N-E for the two of you who've written in and said, how do I find his book? I can't spell his name. It's A-N-T-O-N-E. It's easy. If you're going to buy the book, The Wealthy Code or Debt Millionaire or The Banker's Code, please do it at wmkvfm.org through the Amazon link there. It's not going to cost you any more. And yet little public radio station WMKV is going to get some money and that's just a win-win for everybody. Um, got a couple more minutes where folks could ask questions at 877-772-9658 or at realliferealestate.com. Don't forget that George will be here doing a two-day seminar on this topic in Cincinnati, September 17th and 18th, worth driving for, worth buying a plane ticket if you have to. CincinnatiRia.com for more information about that. And, of course, he will also be here uh, during the OREA National Real Estate Strategy Summit on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. He will be speaking on the 5th. Um, George, let's address something that, um, I don't know, might be might be bothering some people sort of emotionally. And that is, about a month ago, Sean McCluskey, who's the author of a book called Life and Air, was on here and he was saying debt enslaves you there's no good debt because as long as you are staying awake at night staring at the ceiling wondering how you're going to make your payment it's just not worth it and you know that's that's a real thing for a lot of people especially people who are still shell-shocked from the downturn how do you respond to folks who say, well, I just don't take on debt or I pay it off as fast as I can because it makes me feel good? So I think, so when it comes to numbers versus peace of mind, peace of mind always work, always wins in my mind, in my, in my uh, book. And so people have to ask themselves, um, do I want to build wealth fast while covering my downside? Or do I want to have the system work against me? 
Now, when people are debt-free and they don't use debt whatsoever, it creates a lot of uh, safety. And uh, But what people have to realize is that the system is working against you. Inflation is working against you. I don't care what asset you buy. I'm going to say that again to make sure everyone hears me. Most assets don't make you rich. And I have formulas in my book that prove that. And so what happens when you consider inflation and taxes, very few assets make you rich. So what happens is if you buy a property and you you own it free and clear, you are now in the business of real estate. You're not in the real estate. You're not in the financing business. Actually, you are in the financing business. You don't realize that the whole system is working against you. So I want to go back to the fear for a second of debt. And so I'm going to I want you to think about this question for everyone. If you want to drive from say Los Angeles to New York, would you and you want to get there as soon as possible without taking any risk, you know, would you walk there, would you drive a slow car, like an old beat up car, or would you drive a fast car knowing that you have the option of driving the fast car slow? And so the answer is obviously you can rent or get a fast car and drive it at whatever speed you're comfortable with. So is the problem the fast car or is the problem the driver of the fast car? Obviously, the the problem there is the driver who doesn't know how to drive the fast car is the problem. Same thing with debt. Debt is nothing more than the speed of the car. And debt is a car that you can use, the vehicle. But just because you don't know how to drive the car doesn't mean the car is bad meaning debt, it's really the operator of debt. So really, if people take the time to understand debt and the problems and how to manage debt, it becomes an incredible thing to help you build wealth. So really, don't blame debt, blame the operator. That's what I tell people. And so what I tell people, too, is well-structured debt and financing is being used strategically to make the financial system work for us as opposed to against us. And as you get rid of all the debt, which is great feeling, and I, I, I completely understand that. I completely understand that. But we have to realize that we live in a place where the monetary system is set up in a certain way. And if you buy properties in a vacuum and don't consider how the feds work and how the money system works and how interest works and all this other stuff works, then you're buying in a vacuum and don't realize that the whole system is set up to to work against you. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do I want to align myself with the way the system works, meaning the monetary system and all that stuff, so that it works for me as opposed to against me? And that's where we have to think about, do we want to use debt? So think about some of these biggest companies in the world, like Apple and, and Microsoft and some of these big companies. Why is it that they still sell bonds, meaning they, they, they incur debt? because they're transferring the negative part of inflation to people that are willing to say, I want to be debt-free, and I want to buy certain investments. And so they are being the one on the receiving side of the negative part of the financial system. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So really, I completely understand, and I'm I'm the same thing. I don't like to have debt, but I realize that really debt, the problem is, ultimately the monthly payment. If I have enough monthly payments, what if I have two years worth of monthly payments in reserve? So the question for most people is, how much should you have in reserve to make you feel comfortable with debt? And have you taken the time to learn how to manage and work with debt? Because ultimately, 
the system is set up to work against you. And that otherwise. right there is the key. It, it's 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 like you know it's like poisonous snakes. They're really yep. bad if you run across them in the grass. Yep. But if you need antidote for having been bit by a poisonous snake, you need a poisonous snake. You know if you if you know how to yep. if you know how to handle them and deal with the venom and all of that sort of stuff, they can be hugely advantageous, right? Um, and I think I think most people, because of the education that we got in high school and college about about finances, which didn't didn't get any further than you shouldn't have a lot of credit card debt. We are afraid of debt because we don't we don't know what proper management of it means, and Correct. it's really worth some it's really worth some study. I mean, people will spend what tens of thousands of dollars learning how to manage a rental. Mm-hmm. But they won't. They won't spend two days learning how to manage debt. That's exactly correct. So yeah, important important stuff. And and you know, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, George is 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 you know, just being paranoid if he says the system is stacked against you, he's he's not talking about like this like the Illuminati are out there trying to keep you poor. It's just in in this country we have inflation and we have taxes, and yeah. it very very hard to to in any way that you would enjoy it, save your way to being rich, right? You can't just keep putting money in the bank and, and, and hope that someday that will make you rich. It's the debt that makes you rich. My goodness, George, we have so much more stuff that I would love to cover, but we, are, we only have about two minutes left in the program. So the question that I am going to ask you just to kind of um, wrap things up here is, what are the what are the biggest mistakes that you would like to see real estate folks stop making with debt? And what is the one piece of advice that you could give them about it? You know, um, if there was one single thing I would pick for buy and hold real estate investors, I would tell them um, uh, recognize that you are the most important asset. It's not the real estate. And the reason I say that is because the best investment is putting knowledge, having knowledge in that asset called you. And third, realize that, you know, um, we live in a world where, in, in a financing world, whether we like it or not, the way the way things work, you know, inflation, taxes, all that stuff. And so you have to recognize, whether you like it or not, that we are part of this game and we have to take the time to learn what it's about. So... Um, before you think about real estate or all that stuff, understand the financing. And my only other thing I would say is be very careful about 100% financing uh, because it creates a lot of uncertainty in your life. Owning properties is the easy part. Buying properties is the easy part. Keeping it is a whole different game. And that's where the problem comes in is you won't find out your mistake until three, four years later when things are, you know, uh, turning or, or the cycle is different or inflation or whatever. Different things can affect you negatively. So keep in mind that we are in the game of finance, whether we like it or not. Very good advice. And for folks who would like to hear more from George, September 17th and 18th here in Cincinnati, go to CincinnatiRia.com. Look for the seminar called The Wealthy Code. Or you can come on down to the 2016 National Real Estate Strategy Summit by OREA, which is November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. George will be keynoting on Saturday. You'll get more information about that over the upcoming weeks here on Real Life Real Estate. 
We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.